0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one per-month trial period at shopify.com/specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com/specialoffer. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
2: Insider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter, Jake can be found at jmendel 94 Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z, or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show.
0: All we wanted for Christmas was a Miami Dolphins victory and the big man in red answered the calling. Welcome in folks to a seventh consecutive victory Tuesday episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio. We are the Jake and Josh show. We hope you all had a wonderful holiday and apologize for not having our usual pregame show. But hey, we are back now. And to be honest, the Dolphins won. So maybe Jake, we should have never been doing a pregame show at all. How are you doing today, man? And how was your Christmas? I'm good. I'm good. Here we
2: are. You know, you spend all day worrying about Ian Book just for it to devolve into Fahrenheit 451 and there are uh, no books to be found, but Josh, I I think it's safe to say I mean you had a lot of milk and cookies. I'll let everyone else connect the dots over the weekend. Um I had a lot of milk and cookies for completely different reasons. I had nothing to do with Santa Claus. So uh I want to apologize too for not having a show, but I think we might be onto something here uh, with not doing a show and them winning. I'm kidding, of course, but man, this was a interesting, interesting game to say the least that has the Miami Dolphins turning into a team that is the first ever to turn a seven game losing streak into a seven game winning streak. The team controls their own destiny in the playoff race with the 20 to three win over the saints. So Josh, with that information, I just gave you sounds like we're not in Kansas anymore. That doesn't even sound real.
0: No, pinch me, dude. Are we sleeping? I mean, I, I'm sitting here just shaking my head in disbelief that this is how we've turned this season around. I think the Dolphins have, what, a 25% chance now, I think? Oh, uh, that guy with the glasses that looks like a, you know, scientist. I think he was on Sunday Night Football, and he said Dolphins have a 25% chance now with this win. So we control our own destiny, man, but we didn't know what to expect with Ian Book. And this Dolphins defense went out there, and, you know, we always talked about bringing the bat, wrapping that thing in barbed wire. That's exactly what they did to Ian Book. Josh,
2: S- what was it? Eight sacks. It was really a Ray Bradbury book,
0: right? I'm not, I'm not sure. Did, did you see the dolphins? They tweeted out like that graphic. And I don't even think they added up the math right there. I think they were off on how many sacks or were. There were that many. It was a
2: uh, impressive showing and it, Man, it started right there in the front, in the trenches. And this was a team that for so many years struggled to stop the run. Uh, They struggled to really get that pressure going in the quarterback space. And this was that exact opposite, Josh. This was the first eight-sack game for the Miami Dolphins since 2012. And, man, it doesn't hurt that. Ian Book, I think he's playing with a backup left tackle, a backup right tackle. And, and the guy playing uh, right tackle is the one who really hurt him all day. But this was probably the biggest surprise I saw, man. Book was holding onto the ball for nearly four seconds of play. And that right there kind of sets you up for disaster. If you told me before the game that uh, Book was going to almost average, uh, hold the ball for almost twice as long as Tua. I mean, that right there. I mean, hey, that, that's red flag there. That's how you lose a football game.
0: And it probably goes to just the way the Dolphins were attacking him. I mean, we all saw those exotic looks up front. We all saw him, you know, showing what they were blitzing the house and they dropped back in coverage and only bring three. I mean, he was confused all day. And I think that's just a testament to the way this Dolphins defense has truly rebounded. I don't know if you saw it, Jake, but after the first quarter, the Saints were held to negative two yards, the lowest first quarter output in the Sean Payton era since 2006. So I think it said it was the second lowest output in any quarter since then. So negative two yards, man, again, you can't really put too much on Ian Book. I mean, I don't think anybody really expected Ian Book to go out there and light the world on fire, but I mean, the way they were showing his family pregame, I mean, uh, ESPN was definitely trying to drive that hype train, but again, the Miami Dolphins went out there, man, and they laid the wood, and I mean, what was it? The second play of the game, I think, AVG had a tip. Nick Needham took it to the house. Needham said that was his first ever pick six, so not really sure why he launched it into the crowd, but uh, I think from that moment on, man, we all knew this was going to be a long day for Ian Book, and then we just hoped the rest of it would all come together. Josh, you mentioned uh, the
2: you know, showing that they're going to send like eight and then only blitzing three. That's something usually I dislike. It's all about the context, right? Where the dolphins, I think on the previous play did send eight, did send nine. And usually sending three is a recipe for disaster. That's how you have the opposing team drive all the way down to the red zone. You get Philip Wheeler on a tight end and the rest is history. Uh, But man, I think the play calling from this defense has gotten better week by week and The Dolphins were able to get away with blitzing three, blitzing four, because the pressure was still there in book space. Christian Wilkins had a sack, Zach Sealer sack, Raquan Davis sack, Emmanuel Agba sack, Raekwon Davis. That was the first sack of his career. I think Jerome Baker had another two sacks. I mean, you see what the Miami Dolphins wanted to do in their defense. You see the difference between, you know, I'm not trying to, say one player is better than the other, but why they need players like Javon Holland, and like Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones leads the league in sacks from the defensive back position compared to someone like Bobby McCann. I mean, this is kind of what we wanted to see in that year three of Brian Flores. We know what you've done. What can you do for us with the defense you have in place and dude, This is going to sound like such a hot take, but with how everything's coming together and you think about going into next season. And of course there's two games and of course a lot can change. To me, man, it seems like Emmanuel Agba is pulling out far in front. If the Dolphins got to keep one between Mike Gesicki or Emmanuel Agba, you got to choose your one big Christmas present, basically. Uh, he's got to be taking the league because he is absolutely unstoppable out there.
0: And that might have a lot to do with just, you know, recency bias. But I mean, I think a lot of us did kind of point, underestimate, yeah. you know, just how valuable he is there. So I don't know why the Dolphins haven't locked him up. I mean, we've been talking about Kosicki for a long time, but Agba, I mean, uh, this dude has been a difference maker. Jake, I want to pull up this stat from Travis Wingfield. He said, uh, we know the Dolphins can ramp up pressure with extra rushers, but next gen has Miami with an 11% sack rate. Since week nine, when sending four or fewer, that's best in the NFL. So I thought that was an interesting nugget to throw out there. And you also had written down in the rundown, just Christian Wilkins. And you literally have is the heart of this defense. And I mean, uh, it was hilarious to watch him snatch that towel to watch Alvin Kamara get so pissed (laughs) off about that. But, you know, it's even more than that. We talked about it earlier in this offseason. You know, for the Dolphins, you know, kick in that fifth year option with Christian Wilkins. You know, I think we both unanimously said you know, yes, but you know, we might've been a little bit hesitant. What we've seen over these last few weeks is just honestly a, a dominant leader of this team. And I mean, whether it's he's speaking to the media and just how well-spoken he is and just you know, again, he's just a leader, man. And I'm excited to see what he can do out there, but I had to laugh my ass off. I told my wife about it, man. He snatched that towel, drew the penalty, but I mean, they went back and showed that replay and he was just out there being a little bit of a bully, but he said it's all gamesmanship and there's no hard feelings.
2: Yeah. And it doesn't sound like he's out there saying anything mean. Uh, you know, I used we're. Work- one of my old bosses used to tell me this story about he went to Fenway Park and there's they just be out in the crowd out in center field and you know you'll hear people yell terrible things and that just happens to be life and it shouldn't happen but it does but then there was this one guy out there uh in the crowd who went on the center fielder's wikipedia page he just started yelling like his mom's last name his his home city all these different little things that were just it kind of reminds me of what Christian Wilkins is doing out there I see no way he's saying anything that's mean or aggressive but he probably says the silliest most ridiculous things uh, and that just kind of pushes people the wrong way when you know he can pull your uh you know towel away and then hold you to negative two yards in the first quarter that's just how you frustrate opponents
0: yeah, I think, you know, I think this camera zoomed in on him and he's sitting there, you, you, you mad, you mad, Alvin? I mean, I think it was just, again, it was just all in light fun, but when you got a guy, you know, maybe doing a little bit after the tackle or in the huddle, you know, it's eventually going to wear on these players, but I, I'm glad Christian Wilkins is a Miami Dolphin because, um, you know, we'd be irked a little bit if he were going against him every week. You're 100% right on that, Josh.
2: And I have a take, and I want to walk through this take. It might be a bad take. It might be a wrong take. Walk it out, walk uh, it out. Man, we got to turn that into a drop right there. Uh, so last year, you know, the Dolphins made a lot of changes at the defense coming into the season. And one of the big ones was Kyle Van Noy. And I think both of us were kind of surprised by that. We thought, hey, he wasn't elite. We won't say he's, you know, a top, you know, premier edge rusher, top tiered outside linebacker, but we thought he was pretty good. He came in, did his job and I, we thought he was like in the locker room. However, that wasn't the case. Josh, Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, he had the tips passed that resulted in the pick six. Um, He had another play where he batted down where I think if he just ran instead of, you know, lunging at it, I think he has his own pick six. How do we feel about Andrew Van Ginkle has been playing because I still feel like the Miami Dolphins are missing that last outside linebacker. And if we're going to sit here and say they need to make one improvement, I think he has to be that guy. I'm not saying he hasn't played poorly, but I think there's a next level of consistency that is available at that position that we might not have seen yet. Of course, this is a young player who's still developing. He's dealt with injuries. Uh, He's had to fight through depth chart issues. So, I mean, yes, he's still growing. But right now, I think that might be somewhat
0: of a fair question. Tell me if I'm wrong. I think you, we talked about before, I think the linebacker is definitely going to be a position that these Dolphins need to, you know, look at this offseason. I think, Jake, earlier in the year, I was pretty down on AVG. I think I mentioned him being a little bit of a disappointment because we did have such high hopes for him. I personally have liked the development we've seen. I think you have down here just how well he's played since, you know, he's been starting his last 11 games with the Dolphins. I mean, over these last few weeks, over this win streak, AVG has been all over the place playing with his hair on fire. So I'm with you. I do think there needs to be some, some consistency all there. It. I got to be honest. I think Andrew Van Ginkle can probably take it to a, a whole nother level. And I think that's what gets you so excited about him because we heard in the offseason mm-hmm. season, just how smart he is, you know, how he soaks in all this information and how he's in there every day working hard. So uh, I do agree with you. I think AVG can take this to his next level and I'm kind of glad they moved on from Kyle Van Noy when all was said and done.
2: Saints, they told 164 yards. They didn't have a positive play on third down until the third quarter. It was just a dump off. It was like a third and forever. Uh, They were 0 12 on third down. Alvin Kamara didn't force a single missed tackle. It was just an all around complete performance from this defense. Uh, You know, that's kind of what you expect when you're facing, you know, third, fourth stringers. And you don't want to sit here and make excuses. You come out, you win your football games. But man, I was still a little, uh, you know, afraid of what could happen just because we're Dolphin fans and we know. We know deep in our hearts that they can go out and lose any game. And that is why you play them. Just one last little thing. We've talked a little bit about Nick Needham. Let's give him a little more love. He started at safety last week with Javon Howendow He came in as a rookie 2019 when the team started a bajillion different guys. I think you and I, if you remember correctly, we, we set suited up for a game where they lost, you know, 60 to three. But Josh, where does Nick Needham fit into the long-term plans? He's going to be a restricted free agent. He's kind of been that tool that the Dolphins have been able to use to fix a lot of problems you you know Xavier Howard he leaves for the season in 2019 Needham plays decently well as that number one corner he's been the slot guy he can play some safety apparently where do you see him kind of fitting in when you kind of think about the fact the Dolphins have spent so much money Xavier Howard Brandon Jones high draft picks Javon Holland Brandon Jones is there any room for Nick Needham to be a Retained
0: in that group with so much uh, value stored in it. I think you made a good case for him, Jake. I mean, you mentioned how when Xavier Howard was out, he filled in there. You know, he's been playing nickel. I mean, he's all over the place. Whenever he's asked to step up, Jake, he's been there. So I think, you know, he definitely has a role here. I mean, we're sitting here talking about how valuable Agba is and Gesicki and some of these other guys. I mean, if you didn't have a nickname to rely on down the stretch and to, you know, take away some of those three number three wide receivers and do some of the things he's doing, I don't know if the Dolphins will be having the same success. So I always say Zach Steeler is one of the most underrated players in football. I think, you know, um, I'm not going to say nickname is the most underrated defensive back in football, But he definitely flies under the radar when you have a a Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. So I think he's going to be here long term. Jake would rather have had Noah Igbenogany step up and, you know, show that he's a valuable first round pick. And, you know, that was a worth worthy investment. But at this point, you know, that ship has sailed. So, yeah, I think you need Nick Needham in the secondary because once you see some of these free agents go, we might be talking about the secondary as one of the weaknesses heading into next season. That is a crazy thing to think about. But yeah, Josh, that is definitely a
2: possibility. You consider, you know, Xavier and Howard, that situation, Nick Needham, uh, whatever may happen there. Josh, I have a feeling we should be like Jason Sanders when it comes to talking about special teams and just miss it. So we're going to take a little break and we'll talk about offense on the other side. So we'll see you then.
1: This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay.
0: Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... Just go to Frito-Lay No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void there. Here's worth the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-Lay Jake, we talked about the defense. Now let's talk about the offense. And I don't know about you, man, but it feels nice to have an explosive playmaker like Jalen Waddle. Waddle caught 10 of 12 targets yesterday for 92 yards. He had the one touchdown and I'm sure everyone saw Jake, but his 10 receptions on Monday night football Tied Hall of Fame wide receiver Jerry Rice is rookie record in 1985. So a huge feat for Jalen Waddle. I think he broke Chris Chambers rookie receiving record as well. So what were your thoughts on Jalen Waddle, Jake, and just what type of explosive playmaker he has become over these last several weeks?
2: Josh, it's so interesting to kind of sit here and watch your team, watch your offense, because I don't, I can't really think of the last time the Dolphins had a player who was like this, uh, who is just flat out better than everyone else. You know, he has this ability to always find that open space. And when you kind of think big picture about how the Dolphins drafted Jalen Waddle, um, and I hope you weren't playing a drinking game watching this game, because they wanted to just say George Godsey over and over. It's like the announcers just figured out a new word and it was George Godsey and they wanted to use it over and over. But I digress on that. Uh, Josh, the Jalen Waddle pick is starting to feel a little bit like The Celtics taking Jason Tatum, where they expected, uh, you know, the Celtics to do a bunch of different other things with that pick. Marquez Fultz, uh, Alonzo Ball was in that draft. But, you know, a year later, you realize, wow, like Jason Tatum was the obvious choice. And as we're, you know, evolving through the season, we can see here and we're not going to, I'm not going to say, you know, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddles instantly better, but you see the vision and you see that it's a pretty damn good vision. And it's 2020 vision at that, because man, he really does stick out on that field.
0: He really does, Jake. I mean, this guy looks like, uh, I want to say, Jarvis Landry on steroids. I mean, I had my brother-in-law text me because he was going against two and waddle on fantasy. He's like, dude, this guy is a PPR monster, and he is. I mean, every time Mm -hmm. the Dolphins needed a catch, every time they needed a play, they found a way to do it. I don't know about you, man, but it was the way they were lining him up in the backfield early on that got me so excited. It was that goal line play for the touchdown. I mean, everything about him, man, it just goes back to, you know, just everything you've ever learned about football. You know, you always wanted your team to have that game-changing player. And I think that there's still an element of his game. You know, we're starting to see Tua hit some of those deep passes, start to take chances downfield. I mean, I still think that is a whole nother dimension to this, um, to Jalen Waddle's game, that we can take this thing to a whole nother stratosphere. But right now, man, it just feels awesome. He's closing on Anquan Bolden's single season record. I think he needs six receptions to break that record. Again, just broke Chris Chambers' record, 96 receptions on the season, 941 yards, five touchdowns waddle had 10 receptions again tonight sorry waddle had 10 receptions he's the second rookie in NFL history to have three 10 plus catch games joining Odell Beckham jr so again man he's being you're seeing the graphics with Jerry rice you're now here in Odell Beckham jr i mean I'm getting warm and fuzzy just thinking about him.
2: Josh, and two, when you think about this offense, the the big picture, George Godsey, Eric Studsville, uh, Charlie Fry, these are are smart football minds, and you can tell they have a lot of experience the way they line up Waddle, the way they try to create these mismatches, but you can also see that they don't have that experience calling plays. Uh, There was one play, for example, running a counter run out of the shotgun has never ever seemed like a good idea. And it did not work for the dolphins. And there were some plays that were flat out ugly, but whatever it may be, whether it's, you want to throw it to waddle in your own ed zone, whether it's you want to run it with Malcolm Brown on fourth and one, whether you want to run a counter out of the shotgun, the dolphins haven't made the same mistake twice in terms of play calling. They're trying a lot of different things. Of course you kind of have to, when you have guys like Philip Lindsay and, uh, uh, Duke Johnson splitting it. I think they each had 13 carries, and then you have Miles Gaskin having three targets and then three carries. So they're really trying to figure things out, but you can tell they're keeping track of what works, what doesn't work. And Jalen Waddle,
0: I mean, there's a lot that works with him specifically. And Jake, you know, none of this would be happening if Jacoby Brissett was out there. I don't know about you, man, but they tried to bring him out there, and what was it, third and one, and that just pissed me off to no no end, man. But I mean, Tua to Tonga Valoa, the way he's been playing over these last few weeks. They've been some of his rockier starts. I mean, I think we talked about the Giants, the Jets. I mean, he did make some mistakes, but it's how he battles back 19 of 26 for 198 yards and a touchdown. He did have that interception, which it looked like Jalen Waddell was running wide open underneath. I think he tried to force the pass to Matt Collins. So again, he he had that one play that just made you go, what the F? And then he just bounced back, man. He looked like a surgeon, made some big time throws on third down and that bomb to Matt Collins just had everyone standing out of their seats. So um, I don't know, man. I mean, again, When we saw what the Saints did last week to Tom Brady, held him to zero points, held that offense to zero points. I mean, what more could you expect from Tua Tungavalo? Again, I know the Saints were banged up, but I think he went out there and played about as well as he could. And again, I just love the way he bounced back after that dumb, dumb interception.
2: I hate the argument that every announcer loves to use. It was Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes earlier in the season. They get bored facing the two safeties deep. They can't beat it because they get bored. They don't like taking the underneath. That that makes absolutely no sense to me. And they use that same you know, excuse, I guess, for Tua last night. And Josh, I'd like to ask, I, is there any chance that maybe it's more of that maybe Tua does hear all the noise of the, you know, the dink and dunk offense, the 20-yard box. So, once in a while, when he does have that two and a half, three seconds in the pocket to kind of sit there and digest what's happening. Maybe he does want to force that ball and kind of try to prove, hey, I can be this guy when I have the opportunities. It's it's like when you're on the highway and you can pass a car and get ahead of them and forget all about it. But if there's so much traffic, you're just going to make a mess and you're going to line up right back where you were. It just seems like maybe it's still just him being young, him not having that complete offense around him. I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses here because it was a straight up bad throw. But I do wonder if he tries to use these opportunities where he does get that extra second to do too much with the football
0: yeah that's a good point i mean i wonder how much of it is just coaching i mean this coaching staff at least last year seemed like they banged it into his head you know don't turn that football over we'd rather sit there and settle for field goals i mean even last night i think before the half i mean we're all sitting there scratching our head why the hell are the dolphins just letting like what 20 seconds run off the clock so there's definitely some head scratchers but i mean i think what was most exciting, I guess, was that they opened up the playbook. I mean, you have written down here, the flea flicker. Mm-hmm. We saw different things there. Saw Philip Lindsay run the wildcat. I mean, I don't, I don't envy anyone that had to start a Miami dolphins running back in fantasy football this <laughs> week, man. I mean, you broke down the snaps. I mean, they pretty clearly had, I think Lindsay had 13 carries. I think they also gave Duke Johnson 13 carries. None of them really had that much success, but I mean, I think we're starting to see that those two guys are starting to pull away from the rest of the pack, Jake. So, you know, we talked about in previous podcasts who, you know, we ranked our running backs it looks to me now that maybe this staff believes that it's Duke Johnson, Philip Lindsay, Miles Gaskin, and the rest of the pack. But overall, man, loved the way Tua Tonga have a little play. Loved the way he went out there, looked decisive. But we got to eliminate those errors because you know until he does, uh, I think a lot of people are still going to have those questions. But I think a lot of those questions could be answered. Jacob, these last two weeks of the season with the Ryan Tannehill revenge game next week, and then Mac Jones week 18 for all the marbles. So we'll see how these next two weeks play out, man. But I love what I saw the Tua. There's no doubt, man, that that Tua can definitely lead those comebacks. And he's kind of like
2: a, you know, a reporter or maybe a high school student. He's better on deadline, right? But it does seem like we're playing with fire too much at times. And that's a certainly fair criticism, I feel like, because the the comebacks are special. But hey, man, you know, things need to go perfect to make the comeback, right? One bad throw, he makes one of those bad errors. And all of a sudden, things are starting to derail a little bit. Uh, Tua got the ball out on average 2.5 seconds. And Josh... Austin Jackson, three pressures allowed. Jesse Davis, Liam Meikenberg, another six pressures allowed. Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport, they both ate. Ten pressures, three sacks, and four stops against the run. All that stuff is true, but you know what else is true? You know what's more true than all this? The Miami Dolphins had the best offensive line in the league at pouncing on fumbles. I rest my case.
0: Yeah, I mean, I that must be why Jesse Davis is still starting at right tackle. <laughs> just the way he can uh, walk over to, to his lifeless body and pick <laughs> him up off the ground. It's got to be. I think it was the Giants,
2: Josh. They they pounced on two fumbles there. It seems like there's one play, maybe two plays a game. You really see how misshaped a football is, just the way it bounces all over the field. But those, those Dolphins offensive linemen, they have those nimble feet to leap on the football, to Grab it, leap into the end zone. Um, Now we just got to get them to uh, maybe start blocking a little
0: better and we'll be headed in the right direction. And I think Robert Hunt had one of the best games again by Pro Football Focus. I mean, how many times are we going to sit here and talk about how well he's played at guard? I mean, I still would like to see him get a chance at right tackle. But at this point, Jake, you know, maybe the Dolphins are just thinking, you know, we're, we're skating by by the skin of our teeth. We're making it work. So let's just get through this season and then invest a war chest of money. All those draft picks, do whatever you can to build this offensive line, because I think, you know, right now, this is clearly the biggest weakness. I mean, I saw someone tweet out if the Dolphins had a legit offensive line, you know, this could be a, you know, we can make a run in the playoffs. And it's hard to argue that with just how poorly they played over the last few weeks.
2: I think it's important to keep in mind too, like if they had a good offensive line, I mean, it is really hard to put together a good offensive line. It is a complete challenge. So I think it's kind of hard to sit there and say, well, if we had, you know, five pro bowlers on the offensive line, that's just not going to be uh, what the seem to be dealing with. There's four high draft picks on that line. I think Probably three of them, four of them are gonna be competing for starting jobs next season. So that it in in theory it sounds great, but we still kind of gotta hope these guys develop just a little bit more. Josh, a couple of quick notes here to uh you know wrap things up. You hit on the percent on third down, fourth down. I think he was in there for both. I didn't like the play calls, but I kind of understood what the Dolphins are doing. You look at the playbook, four percent on fourth down. Uh they he's handed it out, he's sneaked it, he's rolled out. Uh they're just kinda of putting different things on film. So other teams have to prepare for different things with him in the game um i do understand that what the dolphins were trying to do in those situations are to his strengths so that's a little head scratching but hey you're facing ian book it's the saints i mean uh, i'm not gonna you know mark your grade down too much on that one josh tommy lee lewis he sounds like he should be in a rush cover band this dude has been in the five years been in the league for five years but we see Devonte parker dealing with trainers before the game comes in has a couple plays but another guy who uh kind of got bit by the injury bug i think it was a hit problem
0: Yeah. I don't know what it is with Dolphins receivers, but it just seems to always be one of these guys go down. And you mentioned Parker. I don't think he had a single target. I mean, was he out there? We heard with the trainers before game. Was he just used as a decoy in this? I mean, it would kind of make sense given that he wasn't really targeted, but um, it, I don't know, man. I don't know how how to is going to go out there, you know, compete with the Tennessee Titans team and compete against the New England Patriots when they don't have a full arsenal at his disposal. So I hope Devontae Parker can shake that off. But Tommy Lee Lewis, man, when I saw him coming around and taking some of those end rounds and doing some of those things, I was like, OK, so they have more faith in this guy than Albert Wilson. So
2: you, might, you got the fresh legs, the young legs. And I think that kind of goes back to the one thing that well, I guess the biggest positive for this team is. It seems like they understand how to use guys and use them to their strengths, which is um, a refreshing feeling after what we dealt with for a few years. Josh, this is it, man. We got two weeks left. Uh, I want to apologize, too. We did it at the top, but not having a show. Uh, Hey, breaking news. Who knew that uh, Christmas was busy? We didn't. I didn't because we were gonna <laughs> no idea show, but but that is it. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Christmas? You got you got two kids. You got another one coming. And hey, who would have thought Christmas would be a busy time? God, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that on that one. But guys, it's it's also fantasy championship week. Uh, I know Josh is competing for uh, competing for third place in one of my leagues. I'm in two championships, so we will see what happens there. And I don't know if you have anything on this in front of you, Josh, but the Titans aren't they dealing with a few COVID issues early in the week?
0: I think they are, and I, I did want to mention they are the Dolphins open as three-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road. So, I mean, that's kind of what you expect. But, again, man, I just can't believe the season's now coming down to a Ryan Tannehill revenge game. You know, <laughs> toe-thumbs versus Tua, and uh, week 18 matchup that we're all praying gets flexed for all the marbles against Mac Jones. But wild times, man, especially after starting this season, one and seven. Thank you guys so much for listening to The Jake and Josh Show, part of SB Nation's Finnsider Radio. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll be back later this week with our preview episode of the Titans game. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network.
1: Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins.